Welcome to this week's Checking It From The Cheap Seats episode, and this week we are joined by Fort Wayne Blackhawk head coach Mark Davidson. Coach is entering his ninth season with the Braves. He has coached at the college and the high school level. He's going to share with us um, a little bit about his team, a little bit about his family, a lot about his faith, and he's even going to talk to us about the biggest battle that he's engaged in uh, right now, and that is his fight against cancer. Coach is an inspiration to us all, and we are tremendously blessed to have him on this week's episode of Checking It From The Cheap Seats. Checking It From The Cheap Seats is brought to you by Shootaway, offering products like 12K series guns proven by time and again by the nation's top school and college coaches slash programs. For special pricing discounts, contact Bruce Helt at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. Shucking It From The Cheap Seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com. Well, welcome to this week's Checking It From The Cheap Seats podcast with Coach Josh Thompson. And I am joined today here by Coach Mark Davidson, the head coach at uh, Fort Wayne Blackhawk. Coach, thanks for being on our show with us today. Um, and I appreciate you working this into your tight schedule, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Coach. I got great respect for you and uh, what you've been able to do there at Bar Reeves. And absolutely, it was fun watching you guys make that run to the state title last year. So I appreciate you having me today. Well, Coach, I, I've a lot of mutual respect coming from me because uh, – you know, I, I've been up close and personal with your teams uh, three times now that, since I've been the head coach at Bar Even. We come up on the short end uh, each one of those times, but those have been some some pretty good battles. And outside of those three games, I've really enjoyed watching your team uh, flourish here over the last couple years. So, um, Coach, we, we start off each segment with you giving listeners kind of the two-minute Mark Davidson bio for those of uh, the listeners out there that don't know you real well. Most of the people – know a lot of your accolades from Fort Wayne Blackhawk, but kind of tell us how you got to where you're at right now, Coach. Well, you know, the first thing I would say is uh, I'm a follower of Jesus, and uh, Jesus Christ saved, saved me, and he changed, has changed my life. He continues to change my life. And, uh, you know, I also got to talk about my dad. My dad uh, has been my hero ever since I can remember. And uh, he's coached for over 50 years in the state of Illinois, and he's in the Illinois Coaches Hall of Fame. So I pretty much grew up in the gym, and, uh, you know, I just think being a coach's kid is, uh, is a pretty daggone good way to grow up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up, uh, my wife and I got married right out of college. We moved to Europe pretty much right away and uh, started a career playing in Europe. I was fortunate enough to play until I was 33 years old and at that point uh, retired and moved back to the States. And... Uh, and I've been coaching ever since, and uh, we've just found a really great situation for our family at Blackhawk Christian. And uh, my wife also teaches there, so uh, we we spend a whole lot of time in that building. I'm afraid they're going to start charging me rent because we're in there so much. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I just again, I just think it's a great way to uh, to raise a family. And uh, I just had some great memories. I have uh, seven children, six boys, and so. Uh, just unbelievable memories that I've been able to build with my children 
kind of the way my dad did with me. And so uh, I just feel extremely blessed, man. You know, Coach, uh, you talked about growing up as a coach's kid, and you've obviously coached, you know, several of your sons here uh, to this point, and and obviously they've been blessed to play on some successful teams. And like you said, it the, the time that I spend with my boys in the gym, and obviously I had a daughter that played volleyball, but, you know, the, the time that I spend there in the gym, I, I just really love that time that we get in there together. And I don't think um, I don't think they – probably appreciated as much at the time as they will down the road. And I know Albert Cavanaugh, who's got a lot to do with party basketball, he talks about that a lot just as a high school player, that you don't really appreciate everything that goes into it and everything that you do and every experience you get with your teammates and your coaches until after it's gone. But, you know, kind of touch, Coach, on some of the successes that you've had on the sidelines with your sons on the court. Yeah, I mean, I would tell you, man, it's, again, it's been such a blessing. And I, when I moved back from Europe, I coached in college for two years. And I was the head coach at Trinity International University, just north of Chicago. And, uh, and I loved it, man. But, uh, you know, at that time we had, we had five, uh, five children, you know, anywhere from 11 down to two. Mm-hmm. And so for us, you know, the timing, we realized pretty quickly the timing was just not right for me to have that job because uh you know i felt like my kids were doing one thing and i was doing another thing yeah to me that's the beauty of high school coaching and especially at the place like blackhawk where we're a k-12 through school mm-hmm. where everybody's together and we're all under one roof uh yeah that's just been such a blessing yeah. and uh you know i think you know there, there's a lot of ways you can connect with your kids and i got a lot of buddies that love to hunt and fish and do that kind of stuff and we just go to the gym, you know, we go hang out at the gym or we go to the weight room and, uh, you know, it's just been, been a great way to connect with my kids. And you know, I think there's, uh, you know, there can be some, some difficulties that come with coaching your kids, but obviously I think you've got to be harder on your own than anybody else. And I think that's just kind of part of the deal. Um, and the other thing that, you know, my dad really modeled for me was, uh, you know, dad was really good about being, coach in the gym and then as soon as we got to the car he didn't talk about basketball unless I brought it up you know mm-hmm. he wasn't going to harp on me the whole way home and that kind of stuff and so yeah I've kind of tried to model that you know leave it at the gym unless they bring it up if they bring it up we'll talk about it as long as they want to but uh mm-hmm. you know just trying not to uh be overbearing with them kind of through that process but it's overall it's just been a huge blessing Coach, you talked about, um, you know, coaching at the college level a little bit there at Trinity International and then going in, and going back to the high school ranks. Um, and so you, you coach there at Lakewood Park for a couple years and then you take the, the Blackhawk job. Kind of walk us through that, that transition of, of taking the Fort Wayne Blackhawk job and, and what drew you to that job. Yeah, I mean, part of it was uh, I was the athletic director at Lakewood Park and uh and coaching on top of that and uh you know just really the uh the hours that an athletic director has to put. I, I have great respect for athletic directors you know we got a great one at blackhawk and joel cotton he just does a fantastic job but mm-hmm. uh man the, the hours those guys put in just unbelievable yeah. and so uh you know when i was at uh when i was at lakewood the, the opportunity came up at blackhawk where it was going to be 
uh, or teaching position along with coaching without being the AD. And so, uh, you know, that just seemed like a great opportunity. And uh, I had gotten to know uh, some people at Blackhawk and, uh, you know, just had great respect for the things that they had done. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's just been for our family the right fit. And, uh, you know, one of the advantages, I think, for us of being in a city like Fort Wayne is that we get to play all kinds of really good teams, like right in our backyard. And that's, uh, that's been really nice, you know, just from a scheduling standpoint, you know, the people that we get to play night in and night out and uh, being independent were, I think for us is, is an advantage where we're not locked into conference games every year. And I know there are advantages to that too, but uh, mm-hmm. I think for us where we're at as a program, being independent is probably the, the best thing for us right now because we can kind of custom build our schedule from year to year. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, it's the best of both worlds because you're in a K through 12 building where you get to see, you know, your kids grow up. It's a small school setting, but where you're at up there in Fort Wayne, you get to play a lot of the big schools and being an independent. Uh, obviously, there's no perfect job, but um, it seems like you get the best of both worlds. And obviously, you've been tremendously successful there. You guys have won seven out of eight sectionals in, in the eight years that you've been there. You won three regionals, two semi-states, and you went to the state championship game and won that twice. What was probably – the toughest thing in, in getting all that going there, Coach, uh, at Blackhawk? Or or did it just kind of happen and kind of evolve for you? You know, I think uh, the culture piece is a big part of it. And, uh, you know, I think I think Blackhawk's had good basketball culture for a long time. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things I love about a K-12 school is, you know, it's just kind of natural for us to start them really young. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, what I do is teach – I teach kindergarten and first grade PE in the mornings, and then I teach middle school and high school in the afternoon. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I'm getting touches with these kids at a young age. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, getting them plugged into to the game early. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in getting kids to love the game before they ever learn the game. I mm-hmm. think that's super important. I think, I think sometimes, you know, we can make the mistake of trying to teach them too much too soon where – they just got to learn to love it because it is, in my in my humble opinion, the greatest game ever invented. And so, uh, you know, you just present them with the game. The kids fall in love with it. And, uh, you know, I think the learning comes later. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's really nice for me to be able to connect with those little guys and get them into the gym from an early age. And we've had tremendous help from parents that just get plugged in and, and are willing to help out. But, uh I think the culture piece is a big part of it, and uh, we just get kids that love to play basketball and, and just kind of start loving it young. And uh, you know, like I said, I think the learning comes later from from that. But uh, you know, I think uh, getting them getting them going early is definitely a, a big piece of it. Coach, you know, you talked about that, that culture component and and how winning kind of breeds winning. Uh, a great example of that was we we do a fall league on Sundays here at Bar Reeve where we have other schools in the area that come in and play. And I've got a, a former assistant of mine, uh, Jonathan Bowles, who's the head coach at, at uh, Springs Valley. And Jonathan brought the second and third grade kids up from Springs Valley, and he was coaching both teams by himself. And, and he did a fantastic job, and he's doing a great job there at Valley trying to build that that culture back to where it was. But when we played with our second grade teams, we had two teams in each grade, 
and we had three or four dads that obviously either played in the system or played high school basketball that were working with each one of those teams. And he was just telling me, he goes, that, that's what it's going to take for us to get there is I've got to get people involved. And I told him, I said, the thing for us is it's easy to get that involvement because it, it's just kind of building upon itself. And like you said, that, that culture piece is huge for, for coaches trying to build programs. So, Coach, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so coach um, I, I was going to ask you, I've seen some clips of you playing over in Europe. Do your, do your kids on your team ever bring out some of those old videos of you having some of those monster jams where you're beating some guy on the baseline? Because those are pretty impressive. You guys ever <laughs> bring that up? Not really. It's not something we talk about very much. You know, man, that was, that was a long time ago. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think they care a whole lot about that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm impressed, though, by, by Coach. Um, Coach, one of the things that, that I learned about you and in, in, in coaching against you in the state finals in 2019 was that you've been involved in powerlifting, and that's something that you kind of do a, a, as a, a hobby or a way to continue to compete. Can you kind of touch on that and how you've been involved with that over the years? Yeah, you know, when I retired from playing in uh, 2006, I'm I'm one of them crazy guys who loves to compete. I just think it's fun. And uh, I think I tried one men's basketball league, and I was like, man, mm -hmm. you know, you'd see guys coming in with stat sheets and, vi you know, video cameras and the whole nine. I just said, man, this, this ain't for me, man. So I, I had a player that I had coached at Trinity that uh, – and he had gotten into uh, the sport of competitive strongman, you know, so he was talking to me about it. And I'd, I'd been an avid weightlifter for, for quite some time, and I had a lot of a lot of downtime in Europe, you know, where I just kind of threw myself into it. And, uh, and so I started, I uh, did my first competition in 2013, and I tell you, I got hooked pretty much instantly. I mean, it's, it's been a great uh, – outlet for me really kind of scratch that competitive itch and uh you know been able to travel quite a bit i've been to vegas to the olympia i think five different times i was able to win that one year and um you know i've been to detroit i've been down to nashville i've been to louisville i've been uh, a lot of different places and uh been able to meet a lot of really great people and it's just really i had never done an individual sport in my life i'd always been involved in team sports basketball and baseball but mm -hmm. uh you know, the the dynamics of an individual sport, I think, is, is kind of neat because uh, I, I think there's something real honest about it. Like, it's, you're not looking around at a ref or you're not looking at a teammate or, you know, you're looking at that bar and you're either going to move the weight or you're not going to move it. I mean, it's just, there's something, I think, real honest about that. And, and even the training sessions I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, it's just kind of a chance for me to uh, to get some solitude and, mm -hmm. and I get my worship music going and uh, – yeah, that's that's just been a great outlet for me. I'm hoping to compete again. I've taken a little a little break here, but hoping to compete again one day. Coach, obviously, with uh, coaching basketball and and everything you do there at the school, and then and then having that that side hobby of of the powerlifting and being competitive in that, uh, obviously that that stuff takes up a lot of time. But I know the number one focus that you have is your faith, and then next after that is your family. What's your best advice for coaches that are really busy? Uh, how to keep perspective and keep things 
in, in line at home? How, how do you do that? I'm sure your wife probably reminds you at times, but. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's, uh, that can be the challenging piece because, uh, you know, we talk about the time that athletic directors put in, you know, I think coaches put in probably a similar amount of time, but, uh, you know, I think the, I think in my situation, you know, if I were putting in the hours I'm putting in, like, at an office by myself somewhere, I'd go nuts. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're at the school or your family's there and you're in the gym and your family's there, to me, that just makes all the difference. Um, and that's what I said. That's why I got out of college coaching because I just didn't feel like I could be the, the husband I needed to be and the father I needed to be at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um so that's, that's, I think, always going to be the challenge. And, uh, you know, people talk about quality time. I think sometimes they, we just use that as an excuse to not spend much time with the people we care about. I mean, it's like you gotta, you got to prioritize your wife, uh, you know, even before your children. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, to me, that's, uh, you know, I, I'm married way out of my league. And, uh, you know, my wife has just been an unbelievable support for me. And, uh, you know, my wife is, was not a basketball person at all. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of like that because, uh, you know, she doesn't uh, – she's, she's been watching basketball now, you know. We started <laughs> dating 30 years ago. so yeah. But she still doesn't understand the game, which is, which is for me, kind of refreshing because mm-hmm. we just don't, don't really talk about it. So she's not talking um, to you about how Caleb should be uh, defending the ball screen or, or something like that. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, that don't come up, which is which is kind of nice, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think that's that's the challenge, uh, you know, in coaching is just making sure we never lose sight of uh, you know the most important things in our lives. And, yeah. and I think you know, coaching demands so much of us, uh, but at the same time, you know, for me, it's my faith that keeps me centered. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, James McDonald, an old Scottish preacher. That said, when we keep the main thing, the main thing, secondary things are not diminished. They are enhanced. Mm -hmm. And I never forgot that. And and, uh, I know for me, when I'm keeping my faith at the forefront, Mm -hmm. the Lord empowers me to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better coach, to be a better employee at Blackhawk Christian. But, you know, for me, it all all begins with keeping the Lord first. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true, Coach. And, you know, going back to what you talked about uh, with marrying out of your league, uh, you need to join the crowd on that. But uh, it, yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I tell, I tell people all the time, the thing that enables me to do what I want to do is the support that I have from my wife. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why you see a lot of coaches that don't stay in the business very long anymore. It's just because there's, there's so much stress um, – that comes with the job, and if the the spouse is not, you know, I, I don't want to say able to handle that, but not willing to do that with the longevity that your wife has done it, with the longevity that my wife has done it, I think that's why a lot of times guys get out, get out of coaching, um, you know, probably before they really want to. The, the other yeah, thing, I would agree. You gotta you gotta have that uh, that support system, you know. I. I go back, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to people about Karate Kid where, uh, you know, Mr. Miyagi's talking to young Daniel at the beginning of his training, and he says, you know, you, either you're going to do karate yes or you're going to do karate no. He says, if you, if you do karate saying yes so, 
that ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, from our spouses, that's important. When our spouses are supportive and they're behind us, it makes a huge difference. But if, if the, uh, you know, if our spouse's attitude is kind of like, well, I guess so, then you know, that's probably not going to work too long. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, Coach. The other thing you touched on there was your faith. And I know uh, Coach Hoffman, uh, Silver Creek, um, he was a college teammate of mine, and, and uh, you know, he's reached out to me and, and uh, get, to get your contact information here. And one of the things that, that he and I just kind of marvel at you is, just how strong you are in your faith, no matter what happens to you. But how do you share that with your players? And obviously that's different for you because you're you're at a Christian school. Uh, but what are some of the things that you do with your faith to, to share that with your team? Well, I tell you, that's, uh, you know, for me it's a calling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love basketball as much as anybody. And, but I, uh, I never forgot this. When I was living in Detroit, Michigan, and uh, I was doing a – I was at a basketball clinic up there, and uh, there was a gentleman, I can't even remember his name, but, uh, you know, he ran this youth center in, in downtown Detroit, and mm-hmm. uh, and he'd just bring in kids from the community and play basketball on Saturday mornings and talk to him about his faith. And he told me something I never forgot. He said, I will, I will tolerate a morning of basketball if I get to tell these kids about Jesus. And this, this guy loved basketball like you and I do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just thought that was a great uh, perspective and a great way to look at it. And so that's uh, that's been the calling that, that God has put on my life. Basketball is just kind of the avenue or the tool that God has allowed me to use in order to share my faith with others. And, um, and I think a big part of it, my dad always used to say, more is taught than is ever taught. Mm-hmm. I think a huge part of it is, um, just living that example mm-hmm. and uh you know they get to they get to see us in all types of different situations all types of uh emotions that are going to come up throughout the course of a basketball season mm-hmm. and uh you know i think when when they can see jesus living and shining through us uh, i just think that makes a huge difference and if it's you know if it's something we talk about but don't live and I don't think that's going to go very far. I think kids can can spot that a mile away. So I think when when we have that consistency between what we say and and what we do, uh, I just think you know God can really work in that type of situation. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with that more, Coach. You know, you you talk about having a ministry opportunity. Um, you know, our pastor at Bethany uh, over here in Washington that we go to, he talks about that all the time, that you don't have to be a youth minister. You don't have to be a minister at your church. You, you can be a pharmacist. You can be a high school basketball coach, and this can be your ministry that the Lord's given you. And um, the second thing that you touched on there is you, you don't have to have Bible study all the time. You don't have to have team prayer all the time. Those are, those are great things, and they're things that I think are important. But the way you conduct yourself and the way you treat other people that's how your team and how people around you are going to see Jesus, and and like you said, if you're not if you're not authentic when you do that, then then kids are going to see that you're not walking the way that you talk. So I loved how you touched on that stuff, Coach. I'm going to go back in time a little bit uh, because I know you went through this the same way that I went through this um, with having your season canceled because of the pandemic, and I, I firmly believe that had your season not been canceled. I think you would have won a state championship. I think there's arguments that 
that, you know, we might have. We were playing really well at that time, but we weren't as dominant as that team that you had. Kind of walk walk me through and, and the listeners here on the podcast through how you handled that. Yeah, that that was, uh, man, that was new. I mean, I think that was kind of uncharted waters for all of us. And, uh, you know, we're there uh, Friday before regionals, and uh, we're about an hour away from loading up the bus, going over there for practice. And, uh, you know, you get that phone call, and it's just like real surreal moment, you know, where you're just kind of like, man, that's it. And, and I think at that point we were still kind of holding on to hope that they were going to try to still get it in at some point, but, uh, you know, really pretty doubtful that that was going to happen. And so, uh, you know, the day before was that Thursday, uh, that was your last practice. You didn't know it was your last practice. So it, it was, it was kind of difficult to get any kind of closure really for that season, you know, and we did, uh, you know, we did our banquet uh, virtually, and that was different. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for us, maybe the one uh, upside is the fact that we did only have one senior. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you'd have had a huge group of seniors, I think that would have been even more difficult. Yeah. But uh, definitely a, a unusual situation. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, we all we all kind of learned from it, learned to not take things for granted. and. Uh, you know, you think if you go back to that last practice, you know, maybe you give a little bit more. Maybe you do a little bit more. Maybe you remind your players how much you love them and that kind of stuff. Because, uh, you know, when it was when it was gone just like that, it, just, it was just kind of a reminder of, of how fleeting things can be. Absolutely. And, and I'm sure your team was this way, like our team. We didn't really talk about it a whole lot last year. But I know it was in the back of my mind. I know it was in the back of all my players' minds that the year before we had a shot to win it and, you know, we had the, the rug ripped out from underneath of us. And so when you get those opportunities, like you say, you have to embrace them and you have to appreciate them when you get those opportunities. And I think that maybe made last season a little bit more special for us, and I'm sure it did for you guys as well. Mm-hmm. Coach, um, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, – Obviously, you're you're a tremendously competitive guy. You've talked about the weightlifting. Everybody knows your basketball background, how successful you've been. But you know, I I know you're engaged in a fight right now, um, and you are undergoing some special treatments out there in Arizona. Um, would you mind to share with us a little bit about your battle here with cancer and um, how you've approached this thing head on? And you've been definite a, a definite inspiration to a lot of coaches back here in Indiana. Uh, yeah, I got uh, I got stage four cancer, and I was first diagnosed almost a year ago. Exactly, it was uh, October of last year. They found a large tumor that was on my kidney, mm-hmm. and so uh, I had surgery right away. They took out the tumor along with the kidney, and uh, we found out what I have is extremely rare. They did not know of any treatments at that time just because they've been able to do very little research on this stuff because so very few people have it. And so uh, they said, we're just going to do regular scans and you just kind of pray it doesn't come back. Well, we found out a few months later that it spread to my lungs. Um, and then we just found out about six weeks ago now that it's, uh, I've, got a, I've got a large tumor just above the bladder. So, you know, this is some nasty stuff. 
and as I said, it's, it's really aggressive. So we we're in we're in the thick of a fight right here. But uh, you know, Tony Evans is one of my favorite preachers from down in Texas. And Tony Evans likes to say that God gives us the strength we need for the fight we got to fight, and uh, that's exactly what he's done. And he's just continued to to fill us with strength. He's continued to give me joy, and. Uh, you know, I think about joy, and I've, I've heard my whole life, you know, joy is not tied to our circumstances. And I've always believed that in my brain. But, uh, you know, over the past year, like that that truth, I've been able to experience that deep in my heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've just been filled with, with joy, um, even as I'm walking through this. And, uh, you know, the scripture tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so it really begins with joy, which, which then translates to strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God has just continued to teach me as I'm going through it. And I had a friend tell me early on in the process, you know, that I should get my thoughts on paper, you know, either through a journal or whatever it might be. But I, I've actually been emailing my immediate family, like through the whole process, mm-hmm. uh, just different things God's teaching me. And, uh, you know, my wife and I and our youngest two decided to come out here to uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been out here for three weeks, and I got three more weeks of uh, a pretty intensive treatment. And, uh, you know, my energy level has definitely improved. I'm going to get a scan done here uh, within the next week or two. And uh, what, what we're praying for is that we're going to see uh, some shrinkage in these tumors. And, uh but I will say, man, God, God just continues to uh, to work through difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and so for that, I'm thankful. And uh, you know, there's a whole lot of people that are, that are praying for me and that reach out to me, and man, that, that that means so much. When you're in a fight and you know people are in your corner, man, that makes a huge difference. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And you're you're definitely in our prayers here, uh, in in our community, and in mine. Um, but coach, being out there in Arizona, um, you've got you've got your team that's preparing for the season. Who's taking care of that back home for you? Yeah, my assistant coaches have been good, and uh, you know they're they're running workouts, and so uh, you know I just kind of keeping tabs with them, and uh, you know reaching out to my players and, and making sure they're staying dialed in. And mm-hmm. you know we we graduated. Uh, quite a bit from last year but we got enough guys coming back with enough experience that that uh you know pretty much know what the expectation is and so uh you know our our returning players have done a great job my assistant coaches have been doing a great job and uh obviously i'm i'm chomping at the bit to get back but uh you know i always i always say leadership is plural in in any successful organization i think i stole that one from dean smith but Mm -hmm. Leadership is plural, and, you know, if you want to have success, you've got to have great people around you, and uh, we've certainly had that at Blackhawk. Well, and and there's no doubt in my mind that things are going well uh, up there at Fort Wayne Blackhawk because your assistants, uh, it's a first-class group of guys, and, and I've enjoyed being around them at different things, whether that be at the state finals and meetings we've had for that or the Hall of Fame stuff uh, that we went through last year. But, um, Coach, uh got a couple other questions here for you before we finish up but what what would you say of all the accomplishments that you've you know been able to to 
go through in your coaching career, what would you say, like, is the number one thing? Would it be that first state championship um, that you had back there in 2019, your first sectional title? What, what would you say was your, your highest moment in coaching? Well, I think what I'd tell you, Coach, is the best thing for me was, uh, you know, I played in Europe, and then uh, I had a, I was coming off surgery, and so uh, we took a little break in the middle of my career and, and moved back to Detroit, Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, and I inherited uh, a team that had zero talent. I mean, we were we were awful. Yeah, and uh, so that was my first season. Uh, in coaching, uh-huh. and uh, we won two games that year. We beat the same school twice, and I was the AD. And I thought, shoot, if I'd have known that, I would have scheduled them a whole bunch more times. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, you know, it's interesting. We we started the mercy rule for this year uh, in Michigan. We had it way back. This was in two thousand, uh-huh. and uh, we had the uh, we had the mercy rule invoked on us many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me that was. That was important for me to, to have a season like that in my first year as a coach because uh, that was kind of like, okay, why why do you want to do this? Mm-hmm. Like for you, is it going to be just about winning or is it going to be about mentoring young men? And, and you know, when, you're, when you go through a season like that, you, you kind of find out what you're made of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think for me, for my first year as a coach, that was really important to go through a season like that. Um, and, to, and what it really did was kind of refine my purpose as a coach and, and why I want to do this and understand I love to win mm-hmm. and uh, I love to compete. But ultimately, that's not what it's about. And at the end of the day, the wins are going to be forgotten and those trophies are going to be destroyed. And, and one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account, you know, for, for how I modeled Jesus to the young men that I coach. And so that, that season for me was, was super important in kind of laying that foundation for why I do this. That's great stuff. Coach, you talk about Michigan. I see that you're playing um, in the shootout there at Grace, where you've got two sons playing, by the way, um, and they're teammates with uh, Bryson Graber, who played for me last year. Bryson's got great things to say about your sons. Uh, I know he's really excited about the season coming up there at Grace, but I see you're playing Chelsea, Michigan. My uncle actually is he lives in Chelsea, Michigan. He was an air traffic controller at Detroit, so uh, I'm a little bit familiar with that area. Um, but but talk about your your boys that are playing at Grace real quick and and kind of what you see uh, out of them this year with, with Grace's team. They're having a great experience, man. I mean, Coach Moore does a phenomenal job, and you know we talk about culture. They got great culture at Grace, and uh, you know that goes back to uh, Coach Kessler who I've known for a long time. I worked mm-hmm. at his camp when I was a sophomore in high school and just have tremendous respect for Coach Kessler. Still enjoy visiting with him when I get out there to the games and just kind of picking his brain a little bit. He just got invited uh, uh, into the Hall of Fame, didn't he? Uh, Indiana basketball. Yep, yeah, he just yeah. did. He yeah. just did. Very well deserved. Uh, but Coach Moore's done a great job in, in kind of grabbing the baton and, uh, and, and carrying that torch. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got great culture. And, uh, you know, they've got some talented pieces. And I, and I tell you, I've gotten to know Bryson a little bit, man. What a great young man. And, and uh, that kid is certainly a great ambassador for, for you and for Barry basketball. Great kid. Well, it definitely comes from a tremendous family. Um, you know, yeah. Like you said, a great kid. 
But, you know, you talked about uh, Grace and, and Coach Moore and Coach Kessler. and I, I don't think that people truly understand how good basketball is in that crossroads league. Um, I know they're starting to understand it a little bit down here in our neck of the woods because, you know, the Niehaus kids at Taylor, um, people are familiar with Marion. Uh, obviously, Coach Tonegal has came, and, and he's recruited some of our kids there at Indiana Wesleyan, uh, and they've won some national championships. St. Francis, obviously, you've got Zane playing at St. Francis. But that league, you get to see it, uh, I think, a lot better up there in Fort Wayne. But that league, a lot of those teams could definitely compete at the Division II level. And and I think with some of the low major teams, they could compete in the Division One one level. You, you want to touch on the Crossroads League just a little bit, Coach? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that, that league is – I mean, you don't get any breaks in that league. I mean, every night it's, it's competitive teams, it's great coaches. And, uh, I mean, for us, you know, from a geographical standpoint, it's, it's great because a lot of those schools are pretty close by and, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of good rivalries in there. I know the Bethel, Bethel Grace is a great rivalry. Um, you know, St. Francis is loaded. Indiana Wesleyan is always really good. And so, uh, man, we we just enjoyed watching those teams. And I agree with you. I don't think people, a lot of times kids get hung up on wanting to play D1. And they don't understand the, the level that those teams are playing at. I mean, those those teams are really, really good. Well, you know, one of the things that Coach Miller, that, that's head coach down here at Washington, Hall of Famer has talked to me about before, is it would be great, and you really don't have the time to do this, but if you could take your middle school and high school kids and you could take them to a D3, an NAI game, a D2, and a D1 game, I think they would grow in their appreciation for how good Division III, NAI, and Division II basketball is. Like you said, I think so many times kids get caught up in uh, if they're a college-level player that they want to go D1. And and I know this is a, a topic for another time, but a lot of times it's really about finding the right fit. And I think Frankie is, uh, from what Bryson's talked about, he's so happy there at Grace, and uh, it just really found the right fit for him. It's been a great fit, and uh, you know that's that's the advice that I generally tell kids. It's, it's going to be about the experience, and ultimately, it's going to be about the people. And so uh, tell them, you know, really do your do your homework when you go on these visits instead of being enamored by, you know, the arena or the locker room or whatever else, talk to people, get to know people, talk about culture. And, uh, you know, because it really comes back to the people that you're going to be around. Absolutely. Well, and, and to that point, Kevin Roy, uh, who used to be a head basketball coach, he teaches at Bar Eve and he, he coached, uh, Andrew Graves and, and was working with A.J. Graves when A.J. was in middle school there at WRV. And um, he told Hagen Nepp a couple weeks ago when Hagen went on a visit, uh, he said, Hagen, he said, here's the deal. He said, you're going to be on a weekend trip with these guys and you're going to be in a hotel room. He said, it's not about like what you said, the arena and the locker room and all that kind of stuff. It's can you see yourself being on these, being on this team and being with these guys over the weekend and, and on these trips, and if you can, then it's probably a good fit for you. If you can't, then you probably need to look somewhere else. Yeah, that's, that's some great advice right there. Well, Coach, um, we're going to kind of finish up here with what we call our speed round, so I'm just going to throw out here uh, seven, eight questions to you. So um, just give us whatever answer comes to, comes to your mind uh, first. Um, 
What is your favorite part of your job there at Blackhawk? Not coaching, but the, the PE part of it. I would say just the variety, you know, having uh, the little ones in the morning and then middle school, high school in the afternoon. I think uh, I've, I've really enjoyed just that, that mix. All right, Coach, favorite sideline apparel? Polo, sweatsuit, shirt and tie. What's your favorite sideline apparel? Uh, you know, we, we've kind of got into uh, when we're at home, we're in jackets uh, and ties, and when we're on the road, uh, you know, we're wearing our, uh, our matching travel sweats. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, until we get into the tournament, once we get into the tournament, buddy, we're putting that tie on. I used to always be a suit and tie guy, but last year, you know, and I would occasionally wear a polo or a quarter zip or something. But last year with the dress down trend that kind of trickled down from the NBA, I was I was all for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Coach, uh, scouting, you prefer to scout live or in person? Uh, you know, I like to see everybody live at least once. I mean, I've always felt like, personally, I feel like I, I get more out of watching somebody live once than probably watching five games on film. But, uh, you know, Huddle's a, a wonderful tool that I think all of us use. We're uh, you know, pretty nice when you can sit home and do some scouting or sit in the office and get some scouting done. But uh, I like to get out and see everybody live at least once. That was one of the toughest things for me last year was not being able to get out to games on Tuesday nights where we weren't playing or on the weekend when we weren't playing. So Coach Davidson, Coach Davidson goes and he watches some team live and he hits up the concession stand. What is your go-to at the concession stand? <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that because I've, uh, I have drastically altered my diet, so there's probably not a single thing I could actually eat at the concession <laughs> stand. Um I'm I'm pretty frugal, and so uh, you know when I'm going to a ball game, when I'm going to the movies, uh, I'm I'm stuffing my pockets with my own stuff. So I I honestly don't frequent that concession stand all that much. There you go. You you're packing your own. All right. That's so right. you're you're taking your wife out to eat up there in Fort Wayne. What what's your go-to spot when you take your wife out to eat? Favorite restaurant up there? Man, that's a tough one. Uh, I think uh, Eddie Merlot's is uh, really expensive. I think we've been there twice, and each time we had a gift card. Yeah. But, man, it's, it's some good grub. It's some good food. Eddie, Eddie Merlot's. I'll have to remember that yep. one. Um, yep. I'm going to give you tickets to any professional sports venue, whether that be Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL. Where, where are you taking the tickets to? Wrigley Field. I don't even got to think about that. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, that's one of the I got hooked on the Cubs in 1984, and I never looked back. There's a lot of things I like about you, but one of my favorite things about you is the fact that you're a Cubs fan. Um, <laughs> and the last question for you, Coach, what is your favorite thing that your wife has you do as far as housework and your least favorite thing that you got to do around the house? Uh, you know, anything outdoors. I enjoy it. I love cutting the grass or raking the leaves or whatever else needs to be done outside. Uh-huh. Uh, inside, I'd say I'm probably a little bit less serviceable. <laughs> um, don't mind washing dishes. Um, you know, when whenever Lisa's gone, the cooking is the thing that just kicks me in the butt, man. Yeah. It's, you know, when you got a house full of kids and they're always hungry and you know, you feel like you, you, know, you, you just finish one meal and you get cleaned up and, you know, somebody's hungry. <laughs> so probably I'd say the, the cooking end is uh, I am not uh, of much use. 
You know, what's funny about your answer there, Coach, is when I, I don't sometimes realize and appreciate how much my wife does around the house until she leaves and she's gone for a business yep. trip. And it's just me, yep. and, and I'm I'm going one against the world, and uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, like you said, we we definitely learn to appreciate them a lot more when they're gone than than when they're around. No doubt about it, well, Coach. Hey, I've taken up enough of your time. You've been by far, uh, like I'm not just saying this because we're talking right now. I've had a lot of good experiences on this podcast. Talked to a lot of really good coaches. Had a lot of great conversations. But you've been by far my favorite one. Uh, to this point, and, and I really appreciate, you know, um, you working me into your schedule, especially with everything you're going through and your treatments. And like I said, we're all back here praying for you, uh, all the coaches uh, here in Indiana as well as uh, Bar Eve community. Uh, we're, we're praying for you, and, and we hope to see you here around Christmas time up there at the tournament. But if we meet this time, would you just let me win one, just one? <laughs> That's all I'm asking, you, just for one. No. Coach, you better warn the people of Gastos that we're coming. We're coming back from <laughs> Gastos. And now, now the problem is with my, with my stinking diet now, I, I don't know how much I'm going to be able to enjoy there. But, uh, you know, I was telling somebody, I'm to a point now I enjoy watching other people eat. That's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> well, that's not a good place to go if you uh, if you are on a limited diet. But uh, Oh, I uh, agree. I agree. It's, it's going to be rough. Yeah, I'll tell you what, anytime we have friends of ours that come to town, that's like the number one thing they want to do as soon as they get here. They're like, when, when are we going to the guy stop to eat? So. <laughs> All right, Coach. Well, hey, you take care, and uh, I will see you uh, coming up here in December. Stay blessed. Hey, thanks for having me, Coach. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks a lot, Coach. Yes. Well, we appreciate Coach Davidson being on with us this week, and that was an absolute pleasure. Next week, we will be joined by Brandon Hoffman, the head coach of the Silver Creek Dragons. For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, shooting camps, we improve performance, period. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest independent basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts D1 basketball camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 Team Camps has hosted more sectional championship teams Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp, shootout, or summer tournament. D1 team camps provide the best chance for a school's coach to work with all their teams against top-flight competition from throughout the Midwest.